Hello and welcome to Casually Hardcore episode 68 in which we're diving into all of the legal issues surrounding CD Projekt Red, Dreamcast Guy, and content creation in general. And now, on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to Work to Game. Brian and Chris here with a very special guest, Rich from Hogue Law. Hopefully I'm, I'm not butchering that. You nailed it, absolutely. Yes, that's actually a victory. We'll call it there. Thanks for being here everybody. See you next video. <laughs> um, but, uh, Rich, obviously the situation in hand, uh, you are a uh, lawyer. This is you not giving legal advice. Do you no, have a yes, good disclaimer? Do yes. You want to like any other disclaimer that you want to dive into before we talk about games, CD project red and cyberpunk 2077. I mean, I think the traditional disclaimer for lawyers talking about things, whether they like them or you like them on Twitch or anywhere else is always the same, which is this is educational. It's informational. We can't give official legal advice ethically unless we're talking to you directly about your specific circumstance. So please don't take any legal direction based only on what you hear on Twitch. And I think that'll set us up right. All right. I'm going to toss to Chris for his first question. Uh, Cause Chris and I ended up having a long debate. Chris has got a video up on this on gaming kinda. And again, the link for Rich's uh, channel is in the description below guys. Go sub to Rich. He's almost to 30,000. Let's get I him am. there. Um, 30,000 by the end of the year. That's the dream. Heck yeah. Let's make his dream come true. <laughs> uh, Chris, what's your first question for Rich? Uh, so to kind of just catch everybody up in case they haven't seen any of, of the videos about this, basically, um, some early copies of cyberpunk got leaked out, creator got it, posted a video just with his thoughts, uh, and they were able to take it down. Now it, it looks like my understanding from kind of reading the situation and like Hoag's video and everything like that is that likely in like seven days, 10 days, 14 days, whatever time frame, that video would come back up because there would be an appeal and it would turn out there was no copyright infringement there because he just put out his thoughts but their goal was not necessarily to ban it it was more to delay it because in that time the game comes out and he would be allowed to post the video anyway um if he was able to pursue legal action um because i think we we can all understand ethically where we fall on whether or not he handled this right and whether or not they handled it right but legally if he were to pursue action like is there any remedy there because wouldn't the court just say okay release the video but like now the damage is done because the advantage was that he had a scoop yeah you know so i mean i think just to give a little bit of my background so mm. i've been talking about these kinds of issues dmca takedowns and various publishers and companies dealing with all these various things online on my channel over on youtube i'm not i'm not regularly on twitch uh, although i am uh, on occasion uh in my show called virtual legality and I just talked about the cyberpunk issue, but this actually is reflective of an issue that we talked about in May, which was, if you remember, The Last of Us Part Two got hacked, got stolen. However, that actually wound up happening. We don't really have the full facts and circumstances mm -hmm. behind us on that, but that discussions of that leaked plot uh, about what happened to Joel and Ellie and everything else that happened in that game went live all over the internet. Uh, and Sony took a very draconian approach and they started striking actual DMCA takedowns of everything from single sentences on Twitter to pictures of golf clubs to just the names of the characters being referenced in any context. And so I wound up doing a long series on that because as a lawyer, I am a corporate guy. I, I'm a corporate lawyer. For those of you who don't know me, my background is corporate transactions. I, I grew up doing mergers and acquisitions, venture capital, all those really bad things that you see from Disney uh, fathers in, in those movies that are always absent from their families and, and are not nice people. That, that's my job as corporate lawyer. And so I am sympathetic. I'm empathetic to the Sonys and the, and the CDPRs of the world that say, oh, this isn't what we wanted to have happen. Mm -hmm. 
but that doesn't mean that the law gives them the, the right to do these things. Right. So, I mean, cause they put in millions and millions and millions yeah, hours, I man totally hours. Get it. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get CDPR being like, come on, Best Buy. I totally get Sony going like, what, what the, how did these cutscenes get out? I, I get that from the corporate perspective. Once it's out, you have to follow the rules. There, there's certain abilities that you have under the law, what legal redress is, what the DMCA is, which the C in DMCA is for copyright. And you have to go and tell somebody that there was an infringement. Now, the Dreamcast guy case here mm-hmm. is a little bit more amorphous, mm-hmm. uh, right? I've got a number of commenters coming into my video saying, you know, he didn't actually put up a screenshot that it was an official DMCA takedown. I don't know whether he took it down himself. All these right. various things add to the conversation about whether or not there is, as you asked, Chris, the question, whether there's legal redress, whether you could go and seek a court action. If you take it down yourself, whether or not the threat is legitimate or not, you, you, you took it down yourself, mm-hmm. right? And unless you're going to go and bring some kind of extortion or, or uh, undue stress kind of claim uh, on the other side, you lose your leverage when you say, oh, okay, if you send me a nasty letter and I take it down myself, I didn't have to go through the official legal channel I don't get that kind of protection of using the DMCA fraudulently. So that's part of the conversation. But if we pretend that's not the case, Dreamcast guy had a DMCA takedown happen to him, and it's exactly as described. He got an early copy of the game from Best Buy, and he put up his own thoughts. He just talked about what he saw happen, how he felt about Keanu Reeves and Mm -hmm. and a plot element or two, or even the ending of the game. Those things aren't copyrighted. You can't copyright an idea or a concept. What you can copyright is effectively the delivery or execution of that idea. So you can say Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father, and I didn't infringe Disney or Lucasfilm's copyright. But if I were to take that entire movie and put it on my YouTube channel, or maybe even that scene, depending on context, then that's an infringement of copyright. But just giving an account, telling people what it is, is not an infringement. That doesn't mean that CDPR has to like it. It doesn't mean that Sony had to like it in May because they see it and say, hey, that's at least on the margin, two people that now won't buy Cyberpunk because they no longer have that curiosity to sate. And so they go and they say, well, uh, you didn't get it or you, you shouldn't have gotten this. We were only delivering certain copies. Everybody else is under embargo. Uh, don't put that up and take it down or we're gonna legally harm you. Mm-hmm. That, that can happen. These companies are well-resourced. They're, they're mm-hmm. well-healed and you can just say, Hey, it's going to cost you more money to fight us in court than worth. it is to 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 keep it off for a week, and then you could put it back up. And yeah, you lost out on what was maybe a ten thousand subscriber bounce because you're the only guy with cyberpunk thoughts that doesn't uh, but, have the embargo. Yeah, yeah, well, like, still has it, but he's bound. Like he can only use he can only use um, provided footage. He can't use his own footage. So like the embargo obligates all these other people to a set of rules that he didn't technically have to follow because he wasn't given an embargo copy. Right. So if you if you think about all these contract rights going hither and yon, the, the people that get those early review copies, they mm-hmm. sign something and or they just get a letter that says, by putting this in your machine, you agree to this stuff. Right. Um, and then they do. They mm-hmm. agree to that stuff. And, and it was clear. I, I don't know if you saw the like the skill up thread from yesterday yes. where he said, OK, can't do console footage, can't use anything but trailer footage, X, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which you know, to me looks bad. And I love CDPR. The, the tilt I have to give your viewers is that I adore The Witcher 3. It's one of my yeah. favorite games ever. Yes. I've been looking forward to Cyberpunk for years. 
doesn't mean I have to like how they're operating this long. Right. And that's what's um, actually one of the things I wanted to jump in on a question. Yeah. My first question to you is, is that has there been any kind of negative fallout that you've seen? I've been seeing this wonderful meme of the Simpsons going around where you have one character representing cyberpunk, Abu, diving in front of a you know somebody pointing a gun that says valid criticism uh, and yeah. basically taking the bullet for cyberpunk. And, and, the, and Abu is called weird nerds because we posted on it yesterday and it said, there is a sense that I've seen this happen. Uh, this is the second time this year that I've seen something happen where uh, gamers have had a hard time rectifying the, the two kind of mindsets, right? Like we don't, yeah. we can love cyber uh, CDPR, but we can also say like, this isn't the right way to go about it. Like there's, yeah. there's a better way. They, they, they misstepped and where it came in was when they talked about microtransactions earlier this year for their multiplayer game. And all of a sudden <laughs> the internet was like, Oh, but we're against microtransactions, but we love CDPR. Like two years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I think, I, I think in terms of me personally, I've basically lived my entire adult consumer life separating the art from the artist um, it, to, in certain respects, whether that's business practices, whether that's politics, whatever it might be. I'm interested in what your actual content is, what I'm playing on my screen. And, and a lot of this stuff, I think it's easy to get kind of captured in the moment of, of the zeitgeist of memes and, and whatever it is you're talking about. You know, we're a niche in a niche, certainly mm -hmm. in Hogue Law, which is not only are we a video game YouTube channel, we're a video game YouTube channel talking about the business and legal aspects of those video games. So it's very easy to say, oh, this is significant and it's important. And obviously I'm passionate about not doing what I think is abuse of what are already kind of ambiguous and problematic legal statutes. But outside of that, I fully expect Cyberpunk 2077 to be one of the better games of the year, and I'm looking very much forward to it. I can still say, come on, guys, you can do better than that. And uh, I don't really think it'll have an impact on their bottom line. I don't no. really think it had an impact on Sony's bottom line with Last of Us. I, I don't think these things have that impact. And until they do, I don't think a lot of it's going to change. I do think... Now that we've seen Sony and CDPR do this this year, we've seen it in the past to some mm. extent with the Nintendos and the Atlases of the world. Um, <laughs> if this continues on, then you would expect more and more publishers to be more freely. Uh, you know, I use the term abuse. It's kind of in quotes. It's not like there's any specific parameters around what you can do with the DMCA until you get chastised by the court, which simply hasn't happened. Uh, and so... I think you'll see more and more of this. Uh, and certainly as we move more and more digital and you have more and more potentially fraught game releases. I mean, Last of Us Part Two got leaked, presumably because someone didn't like the content in it. Cyberpunk didn't have the same kind of thing, but you still have that kind of politically fraught nature of the content in question that kind of adds to the froth uh, online, right? You have, even in the reviews that came out yesterday, there's just a lot of political context to, to Cyberpunk 2077. And so I think that helps keep these engines moving. But end of the day, not much is going to change on the sales side of things, I don't think. And Cyberpunk 2077 was always destined to be one of the biggest sellers of the year. Our, our uh, general rule of thought when it comes to gaming and gaming culture, especially around like hot topic issues and polit gaming political aspects within gaming, not not the broader political mindset, but there's no, no matter what, there's you know people take sides, and I'm actually seeing a lot of it. Like people are like, oh, Cyberpunk, uh, CDPR act actively put in. Uh, some type of you know epilepsy machine to give people seizures. Oh, yeah, right? I've that's been today. About that today. Right. Well, I, I didn't know like that people were actually making that argument until I was like, oh, guys, there was this thing, and you might want to be aware of it if you have epilepsy. Let just be yeah. be aware of this feature. It's a news thing. All of a sudden, like the chat became like, 
oh, they did this on, like, I don't know where people are inferring this and how, like, where, where their source is coming from. It's amazing That's how my, con. it's amazing how my opinion to, to hate people with, uh, to hate people with epi- epilepsy, which is, is a niche. I think that's a very small group of people. And then to go into game development, to be underpaid as a programmer and overworked, to work your way into a company that it has a beloved nature in the field, all so that you can hopefully work your one scene in. Like that's that's a really that's a long movie to it's get to what the villain's plot is there. Um, so Richard, your yeah. your background is in corporate law and and commercial um, transactions. Yep, commercial transactions. Great. So my my uh, educational background is in uh, architecture. Yeah. And so when you're taking graduate classes, um, you're basically often taught when and where to use a lawyer uh, and when and where that's appropriate. And so we have whole classes about how to protect ourselves and when to hire the appropriate legal things, because uh, architects are one of the professions where you can actually be kind of called as your own expert witness. And, and so there's there's a lot when you work on large scale architecture projects, it's not if you'll be sued, it's when. And so yeah. you take whole courses into because any lawsuit served against the building that you are involved in, the architect will be called into court. Even if it's just a disagreement between the client and the contractor, we will still be involved in that lawsuit. And so there's there's a lot of cost that comes with that. Sure. And a lot of very expensive insurance. And so one of the things we're taught a lot about is not accidentally expanding scope, um, not accidentally um, treating two situations disequally where like you, and basically one of the ways architects can protect themselves is that you don't have to be perfect at your job. You just have to be as good as an equally informed, equally resourced architect with identical licensure would have been given the same situation. So if anybody, so that's how like when the twin towers fell, that architect is not liable because any other architect of that time period, if they had built a building also would have fallen, had it been hit with a jet with jet fuel burning at 700 degrees. So it's not the architect's fault to design for something that no architect would have designed for um, because it it was a real lawsuit that was served as if that that was the architect's fault that that happened. Um, And so from my background to be sympathetic to CD Projekt Red here um, and get to my question is like, is there some, is there a reason they had to act on this? Sometimes in architecture, you have to squish something, even though common sense says not to, because even though he didn't use game footage, if they became aware of this and chose to leave this up, another person who got a leaked copy from Best Buy could have used that as kind of propellant to put theirs out. Like, is there some justification why CD Projekt Red would have felt like their hands were tied here? Not on the basis that you suggest, I don't think. Okay. Is, which is kind of to, to keep it down. If there isn't copyright infringement, there isn't copyright infringement, right? The, the opening question is, if you're just discussing things, and that's how it's been described to me, mm-hmm. and CD Project Red comes and rattles the saber, whether that's through a DMCA or not, then they're really threatening without a, a leg to stand on. And so far as if you're just talking about things, it's not infringement. If you're not using screenshots, if you're not using gameplay, if it's just a video of you talking, if it's just impressions, um, that's not copyright infringement, even if you're talking about the content of, of the narrative. Um, so if it's not copyright infringement, not only do you not have an obligation to go squash it, you really don't have the right to go squash it. What I do think you see, at least to some extent, early in that Twitter thread that the Dreamcast guy in particular had, which was CD Projekt Red has asked me to tell you that I received this early commercially and not under embargo. Mm-hmm. I do think you see slivers, you see hints of um, them trying to protect the folks that are under embargo. That when you've got an embargo contract, mm-hmm. whether or not that's delivery or shipping or reviews, 
a lot of the times you'll have a provision in there that says, hey, if somebody breaks this, you can all break it because it's not designed to keep you down. It's designed to help us control the messaging flow, but we don't want to advantage the, the ass uh, that broke the thing rather yeah. than, than you. So they wanted to make clear, hey, Dreamcast guy didn't get one from us. This isn't an embargoed copy. IGN, please don't publish early. Mm -hmm. And I do think you get some of that, which is trying to control your contractual frameworks. Okay. The politics of that, of course, is also you know, IGN or GameSpot or whomever saying, well, you know, we're not going to get our lunch eaten by YouTube random here or the next 20 <laughs> that are in Australia or wherever the Best Buy was sending these collector's editions to. And so do something CD Projekt Red and CD Projekt Red says, okay, well, uh, legal, send a threatening letter. And, you know, you can, I say that it's probably not something they had a legal leg to stand on. Generally speaking, when you're talking about legal questions, you can frame something that gets you to at least it depends and then your lawyers write a letter. And then if you're a 200,000 subscriber YouTube channel that doesn't want to have your livelihood stolen for four days of extra coverage, you say, okay, backing off. Mm -hmm. And so I don't like that. I don't like that structure. I don't think that's a terribly just way for, for these institutions to interact with each other, but you could certainly see how it happens. Uh, and certainly with your you know, description of your architecture background, uh, that, that kind of reasonable person standard, what negligence is, is always based on what you know and what assumption of the risk is, that, that starts to come up in that same epilepsy discussion that we've seen you know, kind right. of flying around with cyberpunk right now, mm -hmm. which is, is what they did more than you would expect from a standard video game? If, you're, if you've got a photosensitivity, chances are you are already aware that there's a certain inherent risk in, in watching video footage of, of playing video yeah, guns. Is what cyberpunk did, and I haven't played it, is what they did more than you would expect. Mm -hmm. And certainly what's really odd is in some of this reporting, you see that they don't have a front and center warning, like before the licensing and things like that, where you usually see it. Um, so that's one thing that's like, I've talked to a bunch of reporters today. And it's like, yeah, I, I would fully expect them to, to elevate their, their EULA warning up into that front page, uh, because you at least want to get out from under kind of your product did physical damage to me. And I had no reason to know that that would happen. So you get that warning out in front. And I think, I think the Sony, I think the PlayStation, I think some of the hardware has some of those warnings baked in uh, to their launches and to their, their license terms. If you go and you look, dig really deep into like the, the, the PlayStation legal terminology and things like that, but that really needs to be front and center. And so you get into that, you know, what's reasonable, what is an assumption of risk? Um, okay. I can expect certain amounts of flashing lights, but if, CD Projekt Red, and I think it's much more accidental than intentional to the extent that they would have done it. If they did copy a helmet that induces seizures and just put it directly into their game, uh, I should know about that. Uh, I yeah. should be told about that because if I have that kind of sensitivity, uh, that should be something I'm told. And they should definitely add a toggle and all these other things. But if the reviews make anything clear to me, at least, it's that this bad boy is coming in really hot. Yeah, it uh, is so coming in hot. Those aren't there. Those warnings aren't there. We can expect yeah. them. We'll get the enhanced edition probably for free, knowing CDPR, you know, next year. Mm -hmm. But um, right this second, they've got all these kinds of little niggling issues, and it's because uh, they're clearly burning the midnight oil to get this thing out. So, uh, Cold Casual Jason asked this following question, and sure. I think it's in, in it's in context of what we've been talking about. He says, "Are there any other parallel examples uh, in different industries? For example, film." theater tv one to put some context on like this the star wars script that got leaked 
Well, Star Wars script, but we also see this, especially we're all gamers. And so we're obviously all aware that this is a gray space we operate in when we show gameplay footage. It's a mutually <laughs> beneficial uh, area. But the, the the comment that I've seen is, is that if it was if this was a TV show, if this was a, uh, a song, uh, you know, if this was a, a movie like that is where like that is an absolute like everybody. I think we're all on. Yep. Yeah, you got strict. You know, you got. But gameplay yeah, is songs different on Twitch. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. songs are the, yeah. is the baseline yeah. fighting point right now on Twitch. That was the the apocalypse from last month, uh, mm-hmm. which we did. All of that I don't know why Twitch streamers were shocked at this. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those areas where watching literally from afar. Been saying, I can play whatever I want. There's nothing they can do to me, which is, is literally brake checking a big truck behind you and going, it's not allowed to hit me. Yeah. Okay. But if it does, like you're about well, to get hit by a truck. Like, and if you look at Twitch, risky. if you look at their business model from afar, right? Like I haven't been a Twitch streamer, but I've, I've been watching, I've been watching it grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I've always looked at it and said, well, that's, that's interesting. It, it's, it's, at bare minimum, we're being as generous as possible. It's living on the edge of intellectual property allowances. Um, but more than likely, it's also going over that edge in a couple of places. There was moments in time where Twitch was advertising DJ sets and things and, and channels like that. And one of the things that I say a lot on my channel um, and that I like to impress upon in particular streamers of video games is that it, a lot of them are really operating under what I call largesse, which is the kind of buy your leave concept, which is... Um, it probably is copyright infringement. The copyright holder doesn't have to, to enforce it. And as long as the publishers think that you are helping them market their game, they won't enforce it. But the problem with largesse is you're not getting the contract rights you need with certain exceptions. And CDPR is actually an interesting inflection point because their license is very specific that you can stream. We can talk about that as well. But in general, if you're not getting those license rights, and I'm talking about the really big publishers in general, Electronic Arts, the Steam baseline license, they don't give you streaming broadcast rights. They don't give you public performance rights. And so you go and you stream these things and talking about something like Among Us. Among Us is clearly thrilled that you all are streaming their game. They've made a fortune, but they didn't actually license that right to you. So if there's some Among Us streamer that decides that they're going to say something, I don't know, innocuous, but something that the Among Us developers politically don't like, then they can issue 65 strikes on their Among Us streams because that technically is infringement. And that's one of those areas where I think game streamers in particular should be discussing, hey, we need to make sure that the license agreements that are benefiting these publishers and they're benefiting us and everybody's making money and everybody's happy actually convey the, the, the rights that, that should be conveyed. And you see that exact kind of problem writ large in those other media that you brought up, right? Music companies are not at all convinced that streaming, just naked streaming of their source material helps their sales. Mm -hmm. And they might be wrong. I know a number of people on the internet think they are wrong and they're stupid and they don't see the forest for their trees. I don't necessarily disagree, but that's where they sit and they hold those copyrights. So they go and one day they say, hey, Twitch, you're using a heck of a lot of our music. Let's just hit you with 10,000 DMCA takedown notices and see what happens. And that could happen at really any time for publisher X that says, hey, actually we want a cut of those profits because yep. yeah, you've been making us money, but now we think that we should be making some of that money back too. Uh, and that's what I would like to see change just from a legal perspective. I'm all for transparency. Let's have that negotiation up front. There was a, there was a comment, I can't remember who said it, and I did a video on it from somebody that said, 
essentially streamers should be paying us oh, yeah. for, the, for the rights. The uh, Stadia, the, one Stadia. of the, well, and not the guy over all of Stadia, but one of their studios. Okay. Uh, and yeah. he was just expressing his opinion. And man, like, I was just like, and it's yeah. unfortunate that he's also connected with Stadia because Stadia currently, yeah, well, yeah, Stadia currently still has a, like from uh, like a section of gamers still very anti-Stadia, despite the fact that like there is a, there is a wave of, of pro Stadia mindset that is just kind of taking on based off of Stadia's own recent promotions. Anyway, I'm a fan of Stadia. Yeah, uh, go, hey, no, I, we've, and we've seen some games do things like pull themselves off GeForce Now, and we assume oh, it's yeah. because they're waiting to get paid to go to a streaming platform. So it's not that <laughs> yeah, GeForce Now is not I have a couple of videos on GeForce Now. It's, yeah, that, I, it's that they very specifically want to be paid. And so by, by offering it to the free service, you're not going to see Stadia cut Blizzard a check if they allow Blizzard games to run on GeForce Now. They're going to, why would we pay you? You let right. these free guys do it. So like that makes sense. So to, to shift that a little, one yeah. of the things that when when Google, when the takedown is issued uh, or when Google does the takedown, right, they say that under penalty, right, this is Fido's question, um, there is no penalty unless Google were to say, okay, if you do this wrong, we're going to strip you of this, but then they open themselves up to now they've left CD Projekt Red with the only option being to actually no longer request the confirmation, but actually go after Google. So like, is there any chance that Google ever implements some penalty or changes the way this stuff works to stop penalty to whom I, I just want to make sure I get the to question CD right. Project Red for, for, for doing fall, it wrong, for false claiming for abusing the system. Yeah, so if you go and you look at YouTube sites, they've got various warnings that say don't do this falsely and things like that. Sure. You know, YouTube operates in what we usually call DMCA plus, uh, which is that the statute has a DMCA component and says, hey, if you uh, take it down when you receive notice, you won't be liable for contributing to the infringement. If you put it back up when you receive a counter notice, you won't be liable for it being up there and the federal courts can sort it out. YouTube does an extra step, which I actually, and I get in trouble for this from my commenters sometimes, I actually think is pretty good in the majority of the cases, which is the content ID system, which effectively allows you to infringe on copyright. And the copyright holder, when it's working properly, says, okay, so that's our stuff, we'll, we'll, we'll take your ad money. And it doesn't, it's not an infringement case, it's not a federal court claim, you could potentially get subscribers from that video, you just, you just don't make the ad dollars on it. And, yeah. And I think that in general, for a lot of people that just want to put stuff up that, you know, make they make fan videos or they do things with the footage that maybe is a little bit beyond fair use. I, I think that makes a lot of sense for a large portion of the cases where you start to get into issues is when you've got things like Cyberpunk or Sony and they're just using the process to ping things and what you really have to go through, Google is not going to step in because they only ever get yeah. liability for doing anything different from the statute. So what they're going to do is they're going to say, okay. we take it down when we get notice, we might put it back up when we get counter notice. And that's another kind of portion of the discussion because all the DMCA does is provide safe harbors. So yeah. the, the great fall in the DMCA is that there isn't any liability that actually attaches to these platforms taking them down. So there isn't actually any reason that they have to put them back up. Right. You go and you look at the Twitch terms of service, you go look at the YouTube terms of service, there'll be a sentence in there somewhere that just paraphrasing will say, uh, we have the right to decide what we host mm -hmm. and we can take down your stuff whenever we feel like it. Yeah. And, and once that's the contract that you've signed up with them, then they're taking it down for even an erroneous DMCA claim. And they say, well, put it back up. I gave you a counter notice. They say, uh, mm -hmm. sue us. Uh, <laughs> We, we have the contract right to do so. That's why you saw when Twitch basically put out their really demeaning notice and said, hey, we know this isn't right, 
but we're not going to listen to your counters and delete everything. And people said, can they even do that? They're not following the DMCA. And I said, the DMCA does not enact legal liability on you. It protects you from other liability. So if you want to go find a way to sue Twitch, you got to go find a different way. They're just saying, we don't need this shield. And they're right. They don't need that shield. Okay. Yeah, that's how that works. In um, So in a real estate transaction, the realtor will always put, uh, at least here in Texas, will always put the square footage as the county documents it. It's exactly for the reason you're describing with Google. The reason for that is that the county has a documented square footage and then the buyer expects a reasonable square footage. And as long as they simply pass on the county's number, even if they know that number to be wrong, yeah, comes back, they can go, well, ask the county. And so they're just kicking it down the road. The That's problem right. with that is that means that you now have an expert uh, in the industry who has an ability to um, improve things and is simply not doing so because they don't want to expand their liability because there's no compensation for it. You don't make more money on a transaction for having better square footage provided to the buyer as information. So you don't open yourself up to more liability because you're not being paid for it. You do pay for errors and emissions and all that um, insurance. And so I guess then my question to you, is there any, is there any action that as content creators mm -hmm. we would take because we want uh, Google to not be such an absentee parent here. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I talked a lot about Google and kind of throwing the content creators at YouTube to the wolves with respect to <laughs> some of the stuff they were dealing with, with COPPA yeah. last year. And yep. I don't know whether you followed any of that. Or I not. did. Well, we're I'm not a, yeah, so, we're YouTubers yes. primarily. Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. So yeah, we're, we're you for, yes. first and foremost, but the other side of that is that like, I, as a dad, like I don't make content for kids. I never have. And, yeah, but at the same time, kids aimed at them. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm very well aware of all the bull crap that existed. Like, it's like, right. I'm like, there is a, there's a whole industry that's built up around that right now. And that's oh, yeah. not great. And so honestly, there was a part of me when COPPA happened, I, as a parent, I go, oh, thank God. Yeah, no. Uh, and I totally get that. I, I totally understand looking at the, the weird Russian old McDonald videos and being like, okay, <laughs> creepy Spider-Man and Elsa yeah. bull crap, man. No, I get like, that. I get that entirely. Um, but you know, the, the, the fight on that the fight on COPPA was, is a YouTube content creator. Are they the website operator, which is completely insane for the control that you have over how that website functions. And so I did a whole series of videos on, on YouTube, essentially not taking up the shield that it should have. That, that YouTube is making this money, that they should have defended this premise more. And they kicked it all the way down in a way that I actually don't think is great for their longevity. That's that's not what you really should be doing. You, you want to defend your content creators and, and not just the little ones, the ones that are really making you a, a lot of money. But I think this is a similar circumstance where you've got, right now the DMCA says, if you don't think about anything platform holder, you're not gonna get dinged for anything. Mm -hmm. So that's the law as of the late 1990s. You aren't going to see their behavior change without a reform in that kind of concept. And to be truthful, I don't know that I would want the platform holders to have to step in that much. I, I think in a perfect world, they're pretty much a functional utility conduit of, of video sharing services. And where you would really wanna see the reform aimed if, if I were in charge is that the, the current standard for making a false claim under the DMCA is effectively that you had to know that it was false and it had to be materially false, which knowingly and materially are two separate hurdles that are effectively stacked on top of each other under this law. And until you clear it, they don't have any penalty for filing one of these problematic documents and, and you'd have to bring a lawsuit against them anyway. 
And so I do think there should be a different version of that penalty, a lower threshold, something like a three strikes rule for abusing the thing where you go and you find it and you can't issue takedowns anymore. And yeah, maybe that would be a problem for you and, and you wouldn't want to see that happen. But when you've got those risks, you see people kind of treat them a little bit more cautiously. And right now, basically the law says, as long as you have a lawyer somewhere, put a memo in your file folder that says why this isn't fair use. And fair use is, is such an amorphous facts and circumstances based mm -hmm. conception that any lawyer can write that memo either way. Uh, there's, there's definitely gonna be a way that's gonna feel stronger than the other, but any lawyer can write it either way. You put it in the file folder and then CDPR or Sony has that in their back office. And they say, yeah, no, we can strike this uh, or we can threaten this guy with a strike. Um, and you go and you say, well, but universal versus lens, you have to contemplate fair use. And they say, yeah, we thought about it, didn't apply. You're like, really, you thought about it? Didn't apply, he didn't even use any copyrighted materials. Say, so yeah, you know, special circumstance, we thought about it, press on, we want our 10 days. And, and at that point, you said rightly, when you were asking about redress, the DMCA gives you that 10 day window. It's effectively a 10 day moratorium on a certain amount of freedom of speech, if we're being fully honest. And that 10 day moratorium expires and say, oh, you know what? Actually, we're not gonna pursue this as a federal case. You guys can put up your videos again, only it's now December 14th. And so we don't right. really care. Yeah. Um, and so you see okay. that all the time. You see this running out the clock kind of concept because nobody wants to make a federal court case about it. It costs everybody money, but you can use this delay to say, yeah, no, we're just going to get in the way of the thing. And did CDPR actually issue a takedown notice? Did he take it down on his own? I, unfortunately, there's not enough clarity there. Yeah. Um, and that does change some of the, like, what happened and, and, and who could be at fault. But I still fault the company that says, if you were just talking about the thing that we can bring a claim against you, and if, if that is legitimately what happened, and certainly a number of people raised issues with Dreamcast guy himself, but a lot of that thread is people verifying that that is, in fact, what the video was. I looked at that, that's when I decided to make a video and say, yeah, that's, that's where it really starts to bother me. Just people talking on the internet. It's a situation you didn't like, you didn't want, mm -hmm. yeah. but you're using the legal apparatus to, to stop people talking in a way that I don't think is, is very good for the industry or really the, the people involved. I tend to see that as like uh, an easily double you know, handed sword in which that, um, oh, you, somebody's saying something you don't like at some point, and then that eventually gets used against you in this case. I, I would say, like, I do find fault, not from a legal perspective, but from, like, I would ethical more, like, what, however you want to yeah. uh, philosophically Rightness. classify yes. it, is that I think that essentially there was a social code that uh, that he broke. There's essentially that, okay, and, you know, you're, he, if something fell in his lap, a hot scoop, he's ready to talk about it, but he's obviously gotten so much more press out of this and out of the takedown <laughs> via the Streisand effect. So it's yeah. like, oh, like, I mean, the, the question that I had, uh, like, of the whole situation from, like, when I find, like, fault and uh, frustration at uh, Dreamcast Guy comes into the terms of if he wasn't legally threatened, if it was yeah. that, hey, hey, Dreamcast Guy, we appreciate your excitement. Will you take down that video? And then yeah. he's like, sure, okay, not a problem. <gasps> they legally threatened me and blah, blah, blah. We don't know if he was sent that email. He right. may have been asked kindly, and then he may have told them to screw off. And and certainly a number of people have put comments in my videos that say, hey, you know, I, effectively, I don't trust that guy. I don't know him. Right. We don't know. So I can only, I can only put together the, the circumstantial pieces and, and talk about the hypotheticals in, in all His these Twitter scenarios. feed definitely reads like he's egging them on because he tweets out <laughs> two days ago, Guys, I've been told I can't talk about it. And then yesterday he tweets out. There are bugs? Oh my what? goodness. Have you guys heard about Cyberpunk? And then he tweets out again. 
I have opinions on cyberpunk. And then he tweets out again, I have a video on cyberpunk coming. So it's like for a guy not talking about cyberpunk, you tweeted five times yesterday and four of them had cyberpunk 2077 sure. as exact characters in your tweet. So for a guy that's not allowed to talk about it, you still seem to be talking about it an awful lot. So yep. like, I mean, he's definitely acting like a, you're not, you know, not touching you, not touching you, nothing. <laughs> and it's like, well, you've okay, got well, just be aware. Like, yes, the big guy's not allowed to hit the small child, but like he might. <laughs> so like <laughs> well there's nothing you can do about it i mean like that's one of the things that i talk about a lot on my channel which is the, the one thing i tell people is anybody can sue you you know oh can they be sued for this oh yeah anybody oh, yeah. can file a suit they don't even have to have met you all right that'll right. be sussed out in court but they, they can sue you for anything and if they're well healed if they're well resourced if they're say a multinational video game yep. company then yeah, they can get you to six figures before you can kick it out the door. So they lose 50 grand. He loses 50 grand. Who wins? That's that? not great. And so <laughs> I, I would prefer better yeah. access to justice and not have these kinds of things happen, but they do. And you have to mm -hmm. take that under advisement. Yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I put him in the bucket. I've seen him interact with folks now since I've been following him for the last four days or so. And, and you're right. He, he's in the YouTube influencer self-promoting yeah. bucket. Uh, and that always leaves you in the same place where all of us jerks. Well, if you're having <laughs> breakfast with a politician right. and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> but at, I think at the end of the day, it's still the same. You don't need Dreamcast guy for the story. There's still other mm -hmm. instances of streams being taken down and, and images being taken down and things like that, which are not quite the same as just the, there's no copyrighted material, but you can still get into discussions about the end user license agreement. And as I said earlier, while we were talking, CDPR actually is, is great for consumers. Their, their end user license agreement says, yeah, make Let's oh, Plays, nice. stream videos, monetize. That creates a bit of a problem for them because that's their end user license agreement from 2018. That's their new end user license agreement as of uh, actually two days from now. And they are trying to say, don't do that for this window. And they maybe didn't legally button that up quite where they would like it. And so... They're issuing these takedown notices and Twitch will certainly abide by it and Reddit and yeah. YouTube or whatever because you don't want to fight with them, but they are on the, they're on right on the edge of that legality. I got a, I got a question, especially on that, because we kind of were, we've been dancing around it. Let's just say it's Best Buy, but the, yeah, it is, it's got, Best Buy. okay. So it's Best Buy in this case. Cause I was like, I think it's Best Buy. I don't want to state it as a fact. That's the one I've seen referenced. Is I haven't it, seen it. Right. Yeah. Is there essentially where, okay, because it's like with Twitch and with Google, like these are big businesses. They've got big people. They pick up the phone. Like Twitch wants this to be big on their platform. Like that's that all makes sense. Like that's just same business, same day. Like not a problem. Okay, it's done. It's off. I don't care who it was. Yeah. You know, we're not going to damage this relationship because we want the next biggest game here as well. We don't want to end up being on the outs. Yeah. But in terms of Best Buy, they, they shipped it out. Like is there any kind of... <laughs> thing that cdpr can go and say hey guys like remember how we we had this arrangement under yeah. lock and key and you were going to send it out on this date what happened and by the way here's the the either the agreed upon fine or that there's you know I, i'm wondering if this happens a lot because or there it's already kind of been established namely because we i don't remember seeing this happen so often uh, you know, in, in the terms of gaming history, but maybe I'm just misremembering. It trickles out every time, right? You got your mom and pops in, you know, Saudi Arabia or wherever that don't listen to the stickers and you, mm -hmm. you see them filter out a little bit early from wherever they had to be shipped by boat. You don't usually see large international companies release all of them. And I don't think it was all of their, I, from what I could tell, it was all of their collector's editions. So that was, 
that, that that's funny in two ways. One of which is it's the most expensive, but it also means that it's the people that are most likely to want to share their thoughts on cyberpunk because they just paid however many hundreds of dollars for, I don't even know, a statue of the lady. I, it's I don't probably know just it's, a, a clerical error, right? It's yeah. probably just a, this, this code didn't get marked. The normal one did. Well, ordinarily those boxes would have stickers. Mm-hmm. They'd have don't open until December 10th, don't ship Oops. until December 7th, whatever it might be. And so you get into these fights. Now, I would say, in general, your overall question was, would they have a claim against Best Buy? Yes. Their contract would have said, you're going to hit these shipping windows, you're not going to do this, and you're not going to do that. 2020, in terms of logistics management, uh, presents a number of problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've, you've got basically side letters and agreements with everybody saying, okay, so we're going to need an extra week to get these out because these boats are trapped somewhere and and COVID has just created all of this kind of extra squishiness. Mm -hmm. And so it wouldn't surprise me if this winds up getting an asterisk and Best Buy says, Hey, you know, this is what happened or Mulligan, Mulligan. or there's a fight and they say, well, you didn't put the stickers on uh, and we we didn't get the collector's edition stickers. We didn't know Mm -hmm. Um, or, or whatever. And you get those that will all happen on a phone call that we will never hear about and that we will find out about seven years from now when somebody is reporting on the relationship between CDPR or Warner Brothers, who I think was the physical publisher, uh, and um, and Best Buy say, oh, well, you remember when that happened, they actually wound up giving a better cut for three years and doing a, they had a different delivery window or they weren't promised an, an allotment X. You have all these conversations uh, behind closed doors. There was absolutely 100% somebody angry. There was somebody yelling on a call this last weekend. <laughs> Somebody got somebody got yelled at. Somebody had a real bad day. Somebody went home with COVID. Oh man! (laughs) A hundred percent. Somebody got yelled at. That does happen. But human beings are human beings, and and you make mistakes. And your your contract has some kind of provision for what this what damage this will be. There's a certain lack of trust there now. But Best Buy is big enough that you're not gonna you're not gonna cut them off. You're just gonna try to control that relationship a little bit better. And it's it's kind of similar to the 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 thought patterns and the discussions you see after the fact for a website that breaks an embargo or what have mm-hmm. you, where, you know, Kotaku did a bunch of investigative pieces on, I think it was Ubisoft and then Ubisoft stopped sending them review copies forever. Mm-hmm. I think they still don't. Um, and, and it's that kind of thing where to the extent you have control, you can control those relationships. Best Buy, you're never going to cut off entirely, but that might not be the best place to go to get Best Buy things. I think Nintendo had some kind of tiff with Amazon for a long time. And Nintendo products weren't on Amazon uh, for for a number of years, um, and so you, you get all that, and you'll only see the 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 iceberg above the water. You'll just note, oh, Best Buy doesn't seem to have a lot. They sold out early, or you know, all these various other things. Uh, that, that's what happened. Copies. Yeah, and <laughs> that'll all be behind the scenes. You won't hear about it unless there's an expose years and years from now. It's so so you mentioned the EULA and you went over it in your yeah. video on um, pretty good detail, but there's a section that, I, I mean, you're, it. you're, you, you can't go through all of it. It would take hours. <laughs> there's a section in there about betas. Um, it's a oh, yeah. That's true. section. Can they not just label the software when you install it a beta before December 10th? And then they're safe to kind of do whatever. Cause that section was much more controlled about you must be under a certain agreement. You must be, does that not, like, yeah, are well, there not sections that give them an out to in good faith, take this thing down? If this was all happening intentionally, if there, if there was some control of this mechanism, you could have potentially got around it with something like that. Uh, and certainly in the digital age, you might be able to a- apply it 
after the fact to the game. Your problem is, is you bought a retail copy. That retail copy was purchased at full price from a retailer, not even from the manufacturer, from the developer. This looks for all the world like a fully functional copy. There's no indication that it's beta, either in the initial click-through or on the back of the box or anything else. You put it in, and then they try to change it after the fact solely to prevent you from doing a very... I mean, it's a very small percentage of a small percentage that even want to try to put something up uh, uh, on YouTube. Yes. Um, you know, the bigger issues are when they potentially strike like a conversation uh, on, on a Reddit thread or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, but outside of that, I, you could, you could try to do it. It's generally more difficult than it's worth. Uh, and, and the beta, if you go and you look at that, if you were actually in court on it, so that, uh, clearly judge, this isn't a beta. There's no mechanism for me to do reporting features. This is in paragraph 16.3. There's no indication of it being a beta. There's no link to any of these things that should apply to a beta, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I, I, when I looked at that in the end user license agreement, it's like, ah, yeah, you could frame it as a pre-release and, and maybe in the next version of the end user license agreement, you say pre-release and you put a thing that says uh, any time before this date that will appear on our website and time with a countdown clock or something like that. And you try to control it before the fact. Um, looking at their end user license agreement, that's the functional problem with a permissive license, right? You go and you look at Nintendo's and yeah. Nintendo doesn't allow you to do anything. No. Nintendo doesn't allow you to do anything with the video game except put it on its console. And then they have a blog post later on that says, hey, we might be okay with you streaming unless we're not. And then you can't do it. And, and so we talk at virtual legality about the blog posts not being effective legal documentation and Nintendo has the restrictive license. And so they can say, hey, hey, you're not allowed to do it. It's the same with Square Enix. I don't know if you remember, but Final Fantasy VII Remake earlier this year got shipped early because they had to get the boats where they were going under COVID. Right, yeah. And they basically said no streaming until uh, whatever the release date was, March mm -hmm. X. Yeah. And, and I did a video on that and said, well, they can do this because their overall rule is no streaming at all. They add on this adjunct rule and good luck to you so um i man i want to keep this conversation going but i need to actually go pick up my daughter sure. um guys if you have any other questions for rich be sure to go and check the link in the description go follow his channel go leave him some comments he's uh fantastic i am so happy uh that uh, my community this community recommended him to me because i've Love been i've been loving your your videos and content so please keep that up hopefully we can get you uh, back because I know like I, I feel like we've only kind of somewhat touched the surface of this but uh, Rich before we do wrap up is there anything yeah. that you uh, you want to say you want to share uh, anything you're you're excited about coming up outside of cyberpunk or cyberpunk in general no I think we were talking in the, the kind of pre-show here I'm really enjoying playing Immortals Phoenix Rising which is not a sentence I thought I would say uh, to you, I was basically getting it just to complete the Ubisoft fall trio mm -hmm. uh, and to compare and contrast these three major open world games. I, it might be my favorite and mm -hmm. I'm a big Assassin's Creed fan uh, and I'm enjoying Valhalla, but Immortals is, is great. I'm very much looking forward to Cyberpunk. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm very hopeful that whatever 60 gig patch they're going to put out tomorrow is, is, is helpful for some of the stuff we were reading about in reviews yesterday. Uh, but overall, no, I, I think video gaming continues to be a, an awesome pastime. And especially in 2020, um, you know, I think the developers and the publishers, regardless of all this stuff with legalese and, and, and business stuff, it's amazing to me that they got consoles out. It's amazing to me that they got out as much content and product as they did. And honestly, for a guy like me, it helped me stay sane in 2020. So I can only say thank you for all of it. All right. Chris, any, anything you need to, you want to? Share say before we, we uh, I think you're gonna go back to streaming, right? I am. I'm gonna go back. We got a big we got a big patch day in Final Fantasy. 
Um, there's a world first race happening in World of Warcraft later today um, in a couple hours. There's there's a lot of content this week, even if CD Projekt Red delayed Cyberpunk 2077 again. Bite your tongue. Have, Bite have your plenty. tongue, you monster. <laughs> they have a day one patch. So even if the game released on time, the day one patch might come out. Sorry, guys, it's going to be day seven. Did we say day seven? We meant day 32. Did we say day 32? We meant day 100. So um, I'm sure we're not done talking about Cyberpunk, but I overall, the reviews seem positive. So I'm excited to see people go hands on. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Rich, for showing up. Thanks, Absolutely. Chris, for being here as well. Thanks, chat, for uh, being a part of this conversation. I think it's epic, very interesting. And for myself, personally, this is just like something I'm just so fascinated by uh, being just like, man, what are all the moving parts? But for Work to Game, my name is Brian. And it's Chris. Rich, you can't see him, but he's here. Uh, hopefully you guys and have a great day and thanks for being here and we'll see you soon.